Thanks for listening, Unplugged Army. I'm Louis Unga, General Manager at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. We're proud to present Doug Franz Unplugged. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Four minutes. Four minute offense. Four minute offense. Everything you need to know in sports that affects Maricopa County, the state of Arizona, and the world you get in four minutes. We start things off in Tempe, Arizona. Coyotes, three-game losing streak is over. They just beat the second-best team in hockey, beating the Boston Bruins 4-3 in overtime. If you can give up three goals and be incredible, that's Connor Ingram. He ended up with 30 saves. Now the Bruins goalie Omar left the game in the OT with an apparent leg injury. So the very first shot that was taken against Swayman... Saw saw our team back. I just saw the energy, the uh, the intensity, uh, the no quit. uh, Care factor was so high. Really proud of the boys. That's head coach Andre Turini as he was thrilled to death with the victory. The first shot of the game that was taken against Swayman was the game winner in which Nicholas Schmoltz was able to put it away with Clayton Keller getting the assist late in the OT. Luckily, there was no shootout. Now, by winning that game, here are your standings. Coyotes leapfrog St. Louis. They lost to Florida. They now remain one point behind for the final playoff spot. There's a tie in the eighth seed with Edmonton and Seattle. Coyotes are only one point ahead of Calgary. Why does that matter? Coyotes take on the Flames in Tempe tomorrow night. Lots of NFL news. Mike Vrabel has been fired. The owner of the team says there was a potential to trade Mike Vrabel, but she didn't want to wait and end up at the back of the line, she says, waiting for the opportunity to interview other head coaches. So they decided to move on from him right now. Now, T.J. Watt, he did not play. He's not going to play this weekend. Big deal for the NFL playoffs. Pittsburgh is at Buffalo on Sunday, and a lot of fans around the country are just now starting to realize that one of the playoff games is not going to be on regular television. The Chiefs-Miami game is only available on Peacock Network unless you happen to live in the Kansas City or Miami area. By the way, Dolphins might have a little bit of a struggle leaving gorgeous Miami as temperatures will be below freezing late in that game in Kansas City. The high of the day, that day, nine degrees. College Hoop, this doesn't happen very often. Number one and number two lost last night. That's a shocker. And they both did it to unranked teams. Purdue lost to Nebraska 88-72 in Omaha or in uh, Lincoln. The Cornhuskers shot 61% from three. And Houston lost by four in Ames, Iowa to Iowa State. Hilton Magic cost them a little bit. It was 57-53. NBA News, Eric Spolster has signed the biggest contract in the history of the league for a head coach. Eight years, $120 million. Wow. And the Heat continually perform with the Heat culture, and now it's just pay the head coach. And finally... Well, there's a town called South Brunswick, New Jersey. 
and a man continually went into a convenience store over five or six times over the course of the last four months, buying various things in the convenience store. The problem was, when they turned the money over to the bank, the bank let the convenience store know something they didn't even want to hear. You see the big letters on the $100 bill the man was paying with? Should have told the clerk something. It says, quote, for motion picture use only. The man bought fake $100 bills online and with huge words for motion picture use only. He continually came to the convenience store during very busy times. The workers never bothered to look at the bills. And now the police are looking for the man. The strange thing is he went to the same convenience store six times in four months and they never figured it out. Jackpot Unplugged Army, I feel like a true commander-in-chief to be able to give you such an unprecedented savings. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com and check out the new membership club from Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass, Whirlwind Plus. Here's what you get. You sign up for a tee time anytime between now and five days from now, and you can save anywhere from a minimum of 30% up to 60% off plus 15% off at Civlik, the restaurant, and another 15% off in the pro shop. I'm telling you, you walk into the pro shop, get bowls, a shirt, and a hat, you walk over for happy hour with your wife, you might pay for your monthly membership right then and there. It's $34 a month, cancel anytime, or if you want to save even more, because that equals out to a little more than $400, you can get it for only $299 a year. Whirlwind Plus at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to unpluggedatwhirlwind.com and feel the wind. I'm Janelle, General Manager of Bell's Nashville Kitchen, a.k.a. the Whiskey Wizard. Bell's isn't your typical country bar with mediocre bar food. We are a scratch kitchen with chef-inspired dishes in the only place you can get the best sandwich in all of Arizona, our Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Now, the drinks. I spend days infusing our own whiskey creations. Come in for Whiskey Wednesdays to learn about and drink our famous whiskey selection. We have live music most days and all weekend as part of our Honky Tonk Brunch. Bell's Nashville Kitchen on Main Street in Old Town Scottsdale. You found home, down home. Man, great day yesterday. Just... I mean, I was so pumped about how well anything, everything went. It was a home run. And then it got capped off by the Coyotes' victory and me coming through in the clutch. Yes, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Whatever it is that you decided to make Doug Franz unplugged a part of your day, my family greatly appreciates it. My name is Doug Franz, and you have found the only podcast and TV show in the world. Totally devoted to the coverage of the four major sports franchises of one great American city that drops on your phone and TV every weekday morning. We also cover ASU, U of A, GCU, the Rattlers, the Rising, and the Murray. This is Doug Franz Unplugged, presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. All right. Find a way to power through. Power through. Wednesday, I, I don't know what it is. I'm, I'm a little run down. little run down. I admit it to you. But, you, you know, you, you got to suck it up, earn your pillow, 
give everything you've got every day, even if the fuse isn't lit or light the fuse every day, even if you don't have a lot of gunpowder. I'll look you right in the eye this morning and admit to you, I don't have a lot of gunpowder today. I don't know why. Still no excuse, though. You got to come through in the clutch. Uh, Today's game plan, huge, another huge day for me. This is one of the biggest weeks ever for the future of Doug Franz Unplugged. I'm really uh, jacked up for it. Um, I had a great meeting yesterday, and then today I got a, a happy hour meeting with a, with a guy that I met. This is hilarious. I met him in the airport in Honolulu. Flew from Phoenix to Honolulu. The guy sat in my row and didn't say a word to me the whole time. It was me. It was Jennifer. I have no idea if one of the girls were sitting next to us. I think they were by the window. Then it was another woman sitting next to Jennifer, and then it was this guy. And I never paid attention, didn't know that he was kind of looking at me, trying to remember what he, who I was in his mind. And then uh, I walk into the bathroom when we land in Oahu. I come walking out, and he's standing there. And you can imagine, there's been a, you know, a bunch of times during the old show, especially in its heyday, where I would be at a restaurant talking to friends, talking to family. And I can, Jeff Weir Production is not going to believe this, but I can be kind of loud sometimes. And uh, no. yes, it happens. It happens. And so I've had people then say, hey, you know, are you Doug Franz? Because they, they used to hear the voice all the time. You know, that does not happen a lot now after I got fired. So it was weird to be standing next to a bathroom in Oahu and have some guy say, are you Doug Franz? <laughs> you know, and. It was hilarious because as Jennifer walked out of the bathroom, I'm here talking to this guy and she just says, no way. You know, like she didn't even hear the conversation. She just walked out and says, no way. So I start talking to the guy and I don't want to say where he's from, but he's from a a local business and I'm meeting with him for a happy hour today to talk about Doug Franz Unplugged, to talk about WTSMTV.com and to talk about... I don't know. What's the latest Jeff Weir production? You follow this stuff better than I do. What's the latest on the top secret announcement? Um, still holding. Okay. okay. Is the latest. Okay. Um, between you and I. Mm-hmm. Hard, no, no, no. I mean the hardcore unplugged army. You already know everything. Mm. Um, between you and I, there's, there's, there's a secret. I don't know why it's still a secret. I don't ask. I'm not complaining. I just don't know why. I, but somebody would tell me if I would have asked. I just haven't asked. Just wait till somebody says, okay, it's not a secret anymore. But I'm jacked up. So I'm talking to this guy about the secret today. So I'm excited about that. Oh, speaking of getting recognized. Oh, my gosh. Ima- imagine this, okay? I met with a potential client yesterday. Went to Bell's Nashville Kitchen. She had never been to Bell's National Kitchen, had never heard of it, and she likes country music. So that was kind of awesome. That was really awesome. For those of you that don't know, I can't stand country music. I can't. But I love Bell's. I mean, the service is unbelievable. You've heard me say a million times that the freshness of the food is crazy. It's like you're at a... uh, I hate to be cheesy because I don't want to say nice restaurant in the sense that it's not like you're at Durant's or something like that. But, I mean, you can tell somebody gave a crap when they made 
the food. Like it really matters to them, the presentation, the freshness, things like that. So I'm sitting there. She had emailed me, said, I'm going to be about 10 minutes late. No problem. While I'm sitting there, there's a guy at the bar and the whiskey wizard, Janelle, says something hilarious. She goes, hey, Daniel, you have to meet my favorite person. I got to get my two favorite people together. And, uh, and she says, Daniel, this is Doug. Doug, this is Daniel. Hey, Daniel, nice to meet you. Hey, Doug, nice to meet you. Thank you, thank you. What do you do, Daniel? I, I don't remember what he said. Just thought I'd ask to be nice, but I forget. And then he says, you know, what do you do? Oh, you know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a podcaster. And, and he goes, a podcaster? And she, Janelle says, I told you, Daniel, it's Doug Franz. Now, just so you know, I don't know if this is a running gag with Janelle, but she's on about an eight-game losing streak. You say, well, losing streak of what? She keeps introducing me to people at Bell's, and they have no idea who I am. <laughs> hey, it's Doug Franz. Oh, who's Doug Franz? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's been like eight times in a row she has done that to me, and I don't know if she either a already knows that like like. Does she know that and she's screwing with me? Or does she have really no idea? I mean, think about it. A bartender and and she's the restaurant manager. She's so busy. Does she really remember how often she's introduced me to people with a little bit of fanfare only to find out they have no idea who I am? So it's kind of hilarious. And I'm kind of like, now quit doing that. Well, Daniel, the streak was broken. Daniel says, Doug Franz, wait a minute. Doug Franz from, from, and he just kind of like, okay, what, what does that mean to me? Why do I, yeah. and I said, I, I used to do a talk show called Doug and Wolf. Yeah, Doug and Wolf. And then it's always hilarious when people agree with me. Like, I, I don't know if that's ever happened to you, Jeff Weir Production. Hey, who are you? I've seen you before. I'm Jeff Weir. Yeah, you're Jeff Weir. I mean, I don't know. It's just so weird the way people want to agree with you that you are, I am who I said I am. You know, it was very strange, very strange. So Daniel and I start talking. It's going great. He's asking questions about the podcast. I'm explaining the podcast. He starts downloading the app, or not the app. He uh, gets on Spotify. He starts following. We've got a new member of the Unplugged Army. And while he's talking excitedly about the show, uh, the old show, and how much he enjoyed the old show, that's right when this woman who's a potential client, comes walking in. And she says, oh, hey. And I said, hey, Daniel, this is so-and-so, so-and-so. This is Daniel. Oh, hey, great. And she turned, how do you know Daniel? I said, oh, my gosh, we've been friends for, I don't know, 90 seconds or so. (laughs) It felt so cool. Number one, if there's ever a time for the losing streak of eight straight introductions to people that, that Janelle gets busted on because they've never heard of Doug and Wolf, now finally the streak is broken right in front of a potential client. And she, I hope she was thinking, okay, okay, podcast advertising, possibility. And then I told her about the super secret. And she said, you know what? I'll tell you what. I want small, medium, and large. I said, what? She goes, I want a small package. I want a medium package. And I want a large idea. And let me try to see what works. Okay. Okay. Let's go. Let's go. 
And that was wearing the fat man slacks. So that might have helped. So I would hate to find out I have to start wearing fat man slacks for every sales appointment. I think everybody that I've worked with in the past, client relations-wise, knows that's not happening. I stared at the bike yesterday. I think that counts. I thought about it for, uh, for a long time. Oh, I got to tell you, uh, on my way to work today, I like my car. Okay, I do. I, I, drive a, I drive a Maxima. I like my car. But there's one thing that it has, and I think a lot of cars have it, and I hate this. It's called Intelligent Cruise. It's not intelligent, okay? I don't like being forced. Like, I can't turn it off. I can't have the cruise on, but the setting off. So as soon as I start getting close to somebody, I, my car immediately starts slowing down on its own. I hate that. I know how to drive. I don't need you to do that for me. And what I don't like about it is I don't want to get right on your bumper, but if, if I'm passing you, if I'm going to pass you, I don't want to hog up the left lane forever. So I want to wait until I'm, I'm close enough that I get over and then I get back, okay? I like to do it like that because I don't want to just sit and hog up the left lane. It is so annoying when I'm approaching somebody, but somebody else is in the left lane going faster than me. I want to wait until they pass me so I can get over. But with the intelligent cruise, now it starts slowing down so much that it really screws up the next guy. Now he wants to pass me. I I hate it. Well, guess what happens this morning? This morning, I come up on a car. Intelligent cruise kicks in. I start slowing down, and there's a car in the left lane behind me and a car behind that guy. So as soon as the guy is in the left lane coming up to me, I turn on my left turn signal, and I kind of felt bad, but the guy slows down to let me in. Nice guy. But my intelligent crew slowed me down because I'm approaching the other car. I don't kind of realize it. And I've really messed with this guy's head. Now he's mad at me and he zooms off. Okay. I mean, he just takes off. The car behind him now passes me. The car behind him was an unmarked police car. That guy zooms off and about half a mile later, the lights come on and the guy that zoomed off gets pulled up. I love when that happens. <laughs> See? Instant karma. I, there is truth. There is truth to that, Jeff. We're in production. But number one, I have been the guy that's done that. It's not road rage because I'm not swerving at you. But it's like, buddy, I'm trying to let you in. Now you're slowing down and screwing with your crew. Screw it. You know what? That's it. Fine. I tried. Now I'm mad, and I zoom off. And it's my, I hate the Intelligent Cruise, but that's what it was. If it wasn't for Intelligent Cruise, when he slowed down, my speed would have kept up, and I would have uh, gotten in, gotten out, over. He's doing something very considerate. Now, maybe it's a consideration between speeders. We're both speeders. Hey, buddy, let me help you out. Okay, thanks. And we're working something out. And I appreciate that. But then I screw it up without, seriously, without knowing at all that, what, whoa. Oh, hey, hey, all right. I didn't, I didn't know I could just touch my computer and all of a sudden things play. <laughs> uh, the laptop all of a sudden started going. I was like, hey, coyotes, yeah. But uh, 
I, I, I feel so bad. And then when he, the, the cop pulls him over, it's like, no, no. I, I mean, I slowed down. Like, almost immediately, I lost about five miles an hour. And I would say when he was coming up on me, he was going maybe three or four miles an hour faster than me. So I was not going to get over and slow him down. And I thought he was going fast enough that I could get right up to the car and then get over as he passed me. And man, when the second car goes by and there's a big letter G on the license plate, I thought, uh oh. I just thought, uh oh. That's all I thought. And then that car sped up a lot and tailed behind the other car for a little bit. Oh, man, did I feel like a jerk. I really did feel like a jerk. Um, oh, last thing. Uh, I don't know how often this happens that I, I discover something. But when I was at Bell's, oh, yeah. I discovered the Iceberg Nashville Hot Chicken Tender Salad. Ooh. Now, I got to tell you this. Marley's, and I don't know, Dan, why you did this, but Marley's used to have a chef salad that I thought, can you, I don't know if there's ever chef salad competitions, but this thing had a pound of meat on it. It had bacon, turkey, and ham egg and it was and tomatoes and it was so huge and so good so therefore i am not lying to my wife at all when the fat man slacks a cup man comes home and says i had a salad today for lunch that <laughs> is i mean this thing was loaded for some reason marley's got rid of the chef salad i don't know why well i being fat man now decided you know what i'm getting a salad I, I predetermined. I said, when I walk into Bell's, I'm getting a salad. And I see this bad boy on the menu that I don't, I guess I had blocked my eyes from it, or I don't know if it's new. But it's three huge chicken tenders dipped in your level of sauce, of your level of heat. Uh, I, I went with the baby something because it's, this is going to sound dumb, it's early in the week. That stuff goes right through me. So if it's late in the week, hey, I got plenty of time for the toilet all weekend. It's all good. Um, it's the system. When you get in your, when you get old, you'll understand. But early in the week, I can't do it. But I like the mother clucker is my favorite uh, sauce at Bell's National Kitchen. But I didn't go as high as mother clucker. I, I went with the, uh, the baby. I forget what it's called. It's not baby clucker, but it's baby something. Uh, it was so fantastic. There was so much food. I was. I took home about uh, 25% of it. I ate about 75% of it, took home the other one. And the salad is so fresh. Like, normally you can never take a salad home. The salad is so fresh, and the iceberg lettuce is so crisp. It tasted absolutely fine when I got home as my dinner. It was awesome. I was, man, like, I guarantee you, if you go to Bell's National Kitchen and you get that, you're not only going to be jacked up, but you're also going to think I'm crazy to order that thing for lunch because you probably don't even need dinner. It was so big. And the blue cheese, I don't know if they make the blue cheese there, but it was so fresh and matched the uh, the heat of the chicken tender. Oh, I got jacked up for it. I was really excited. All right, before uh, sound credits, I want to play this for you. This is highly entertaining. Jeff Weir Production, if you could get the... Uh, Toronto Raptors ready for me. I don't know if you – I did not watch the game, but I read about it. Lakers a winner at home. They've been on a losing streak. They played last night. They're off tonight. 
and they host the Suns tomorrow. And uh, in their game yesterday, they won by a point, 132-131. And in that game, the Lakers shot 36 free throws. 23 of them in the fourth quarter. 23 foul shots in one quarter. Now, would you like to know what the uh, Raptors head coach thinks about an opponent shooting 23 fourth quarter free throws? Thank you, Doug. Thank you, Doug. That's 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 outrageous. What happened tonight? This is completely BS. This is shame. Shame for the referees. Shame for the league to allow this. Twenty-three free throws for them, and we get two free throws in in the fourth quarter. Like how to play the game. I all, I understand uh, respect for all stars and all of that, but we have star players on our team as well. How's possible is Scotty Barnes? who is all-star caliber player in this league. He goes every single time to the rim with force, trying to get, get uh, to, the, to the rim without flopping and, and not trying to get foul calls. He gets two uh, free throws for the whole game. How is that possible? How are you going to explain that, that to me? They had to win tonight? If that's, if that's the case, just let us know so we don't show up for the game. Just give them a win. But that, that was not fair tonight. And this is not happening first time for us. Scotty Barnes is going to be all-star. He's going to be the face of this league. And what, what's happening over here during whole season, I've been calling you back, it's a complete crap. Coach, do you feel like you're getting any explanations at all? That offensive foul, did you did you see like get any explanation? No, no, there is no explanation. They just they just come up there, they review what and they see what they want to see. They don't want to hear us what we got to say. They don't want to hear the players. They they, they, they don't just want to protect us. Over again they got thirty six free throws, twenty three free throws in, in the fourth quarter. What are we talking about? What are we talking about? How are we gonna supposed to play? Is this a, a one-off, or do you feel this has been happening to your team a lot throughout the season? It's happening a lot, but I'm telling our guys, be professional, keep fighting, keep going for the next one. But until when? For how long? Starko Rajakovic and... I couldn't see it on camera. But when you've been in the media for a long time, you kind of know those things happen and the media relations person has no idea what to do because they don't want this to continue. They don't want their coach to get fined. They don't want it to go viral. But at the same time, they know their coach will get mad in the heat of the moment if they get interrupted. So at the very end of that, did you hear that voice? Well... <laughs> that meant, I guess we're done here. Oh, my gosh. 23 free throws in one quarter. The NBA. I mean, just that's all you could say. The NBA. All right. Uh, sound credits today. Got a couple things. Uh, well, that was we ripped that off of ESPN.com. So thank you for that. Uh, I admit I owe somebody else a sound credit because I don't know where they got it from. Through... 
Coyotes Channel 61. We took from NHL.com the uh, the game-winning goal that we're going to play for you. And then Coyotes PR sent us Andre Turney and Nick Schmoltz talking about the game. I actually got that from Sportsnet. You got it from Sportsnet. Okay, yeah. thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, and I can't think of anything else sound credit-wise. You got anything uh, in your world, Jeff? Or no, sir. Okay. Well, then let's roll. Doug's Big One. Doug's big one today. I, I am amazed. I, I, I'm just continually amazed. And maybe, I, maybe I'm the idiot here that, that I still have struggle, struggle getting my head around this. How amazingly wealthy you must be to own an NFL team. And how little you understand what it takes to build a winner when you own it. That, that seriously amazes me when you have so many examples of people that know what they're doing. I think the worst owner in the NFL is David Tepper, the owner of the Carolina Panthers. That guy is a complete and utter disaster. Okay, that's number one. Um, I don't know who number two is. It, was, it used to be David Tepper because to me, Daniel Snyder was number one. Um. Number two, it it could be Michael Bidwell. I'd have to I'd have to stop and think about it. But two owners that made their money from their parents and inherited their team from the parents. Amy Adam Shank is the uh, owner of the Titans. There's Michael Bidwell, the owner of the Arizona Cardinals. They fired Mike Vrabel yesterday. No, no, I don't. My my heart doesn't hurt for Mike Vrabel. I, I don't care. But to watch that team this year on the field and to think that it's Mike Vrabel's fault is amazing to me. Absolutely amazing that you thought that was the right move. And I love it. I love it because to me, organizations like that are going to perpetually just just go down a drain, stay in a toilet. Like, I support, even though the Falcons do not have a staple of success, I would have cleaned house with the Falcons because, A, you gave a coach no quarterback for three years and you're upset you didn't make the playoffs. However, you're in the NFC South. Anytime you're in the NFC South, you should fire almost every coach if they don't win the NFC South. That division is so bad. There's got to be one winner. So I'm okay with Arthur Blank. They lose a lot in Atlanta, and eventually that's on the owner. But I'm okay with that. But when I look up and down the NFL, I am flabbergasted how these people, who are clearly, clearly highly intelligent people, all right? I'm not ripping their individual intelligence. Maybe Mark Davis of the Raiders. (laughs) I'm not really sure how smart he is, to be quite honest. (laughs) I don't even mean to be a jerk, but sometimes it's just natural. Uh, Now, if you've ever read the articles of how Mark Davis got over on another casino owner who helped him build the stadium and then got no credit for it, that's kind of a funny story. Mark Davis got over on that guy. Sorry, I don't remember uh, what his name is. But it is amazing how these people have this much money even the ones that inherited it because even though they inherited it 
Like Michael Bid was a former federal prosecutor, okay? No matter what you think of him personally, the, the dude's a smart guy. And yet, I'll never forget what Ron Miniger said. And if you did not get a chance to watch those episodes on WTSM-TV, I strongly suggest you becoming at least a basic member so you can go out back and watch former episodes. Or at the same time, if, uh, if you're a member of the Unplugged Army but you haven't heard of this, go back and listen to the Ron Miniger conversations in which he detailed exactly what happened during the Terry McDonough situation and Michael Bidwill and the use of burner phones, all of it alleged by Terry McDonough and and then validated by Ron Miniger. But obviously your opinion matters on when you watch it on whether or not you take the side of the Cardinals. And the Cardinals said Michael Bidwill had nothing to do with the burner phones, had no idea they were going on. And as soon as he find, found out, immediately put, collected the burner phones and put a stop to it. That's the Cardinal side of things. Very strange on how Kyle Odergaard, a former employee of the Cardinals, was able to get a picture of the burner phones in their current form if they were confiscated. That didn't make a lot of sense. And Steve Wilkes, who's considered one of the honest men in football, claimed that Michael Bidwell did not pick up the burner phones immediately upon finding out about the, the scandal, that his burner phone was collected after Steve Kime came back. So in order for the Arizona Cardinals to be telling the truth, Terry McDonough and Steve Wilkes have to be lying about this, even though Steve Wilkes has never gone public with anything about the situation. So that would seem to make a lot of sense that that these two men would be lying about it and the Cardinals would be telling the truth. And what's never made sense to me is if the Cardinals are telling the truth and if Michael Bidwell found out about this and put an immediate stop to it, who got punished? There's never been a report on who got punished. I mean, the NFL, you would think, if they had a major problem with this cheating scandal, would have done their own investigation. I mean, think about it. Anytime Deflategate happens or something else happens, there's an investigation. So here's Michael Bidwell admitting there was cheating going on. The NFL said, all right, as long as you got it handled, we don't need to investigate. Who did you punish? Nobody. Oh. All right. But he's still a former federal prosecutor. No matter what you think of the guy, he's he's a smart dude. And yet, when Ron Miniger spoke to us, the reason why I brought it up, they have a worse losing percentage in Glendale than they did in St. Louis. And, And, I mean, think about that for a second. From a winning and losing standpoint, Bill Bidwell is considered one of the worst owners in the history of sports. Now, I have to tell you, I, I can't tell you how many sources I have that have told me, and I, I've only met the man, I think, twice. Um, the sources that I have that said what a beautiful human being Bill Bidwill was and how charitable he was and the things he did behind the scenes that had nothing to do with football for people in our community and our state. It's overwhelming some of the stories I've heard. So I want to always completely separate the man and Bill Bidwill, the, the, the football owner. Those are two different things. But how do you lose more now than you did then? It's Doug's big one today, NFL owners. <laughs> You're really not good at your job, a lot of you. Really not good. I'll talk more NFL in a second. I can't wait to give you this today. 
I spoke for 30 minutes with a former NFL general manager who wrote an article about Kyler Murray. And he has been very negative for a long time on Kyler Murray. And he has switched to not highly positive, but I would say positive. Still like, you know, show me something here, Kyler. Show me. But excited about what he's about to see. Not show me something in a negative way. Show me something in the way of, I'm starting to believe in you, prove me right. Versus, I've never believed in you, prove me, uh, you try to prove me wrong. So this is a, it's a good conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. It's coming up in a minute. I do want to highlight the Coyotes yesterday and their performance against Boston, especially when you've got a three-game losing streak going into the game. And they're in a dogfight. Calgary, St. Louis, Edmonton, and uh, I forgot one team that's uh, Seattle. Sorry, the Kraken. I know why I blocked out Seattle. Um, They're all fighting like crazy for the last spot in the playoffs. Keep in mind, it's January, but that's the battle. And then you've got Boston coming to town. you got to feel like that's not good if we're taking on Boston and we're in a dogfight. And the Coyotes got down came back, and then allowed Boston to tie it 3-3. So it's tied 3-3. It goes into overtime. And Connor Ingram, I don't normally say this about a goalie that gave up three goals. Quote-unquote gave up. We know it's a team game. He was phenomenal. I mean amazing in his performance. And then in the OT, oh my goodness, the saves he was making. The breakaway, he he stopped the breakaway in the third period as well. And then after a deep run into the OT with both teams having multiple scoring opportunities, here's your game winner. Calculating, methodical, this overtime. Keller, he'll bring it in. Schmaltz is off the bench. Nick Schmaltz. Right to the front, he scores! Nick Schmaltz! I'm going to have you replay it again, if you don't mind. For those of you that are really good at hockey, okay, uh, I, I love, I got really lucky. Do you remember Don Maloney? I don't think he was great at his job, but he was a GM for the Coyotes, and I would sit, uh, I, I, I want to make it sound like we did it all the time, I did it once, but I, I, I sat in the booth with him one time in his suite for, uh, for a period. Just to talk hockey, just to get to I, I like to do that with GMs, coaches, scouts, because so many of them are so good at what they do. They can teach me a lot of things while I sit there and and observe. And I ask them to talk out loud. Tell me what you're seeing. And I pepper them with questions. And it goes really well for me to learn the game. I feel like I can be better for you by doing that. I hope I succeed in, in passing on the knowledge that they're nice enough to give me. Well, Doing that, I know the game pretty well, but it's just not as natural to me like baseball, football, and basketball are, and soccer. I played the three sports. I I only played eighth grade football, but I got really lucky with a lot of people that have taught me football at an advanced level. So I feel comfortable, really comfortable, going breakdown, breakdown, breakdown in those sports. With hockey, I know the rules. Okay, I know what's going on, but I don't see the little snippets. I don't see 
wow, somebody made a line change in the whole game. Nick Schmoltz has been on the second line. Now he's on the first line. Like somebody says that to me and I notice it. But if you don't say it to me, I, I don't pick up on changes mid-game uh, mid or coaching adjustments. I, I can kind of tell why you haven't adjusted when it looks like the same thing. But when you do adjust, I don't really know what you adjusted to. Hopefully that makes sense. So watch this again, those of you that are really good at hockey. Did Clayton Keller interfere on this? Because to me, it looked like he did. Calculating, methodical, this overtime. Keller's got Keller. the puck. He'll bring it in. Schmaltz is oh, off the bench. Now he skates to the middle. Boom. Nick Schmaltz. <laughs> right to the front. He scores! Nick I think Schmaltz. the distance is far enough away. It doesn't count. Keep this going, Jeff. Passing on the other way, but look at Connor Ingram. Saves the day once again. Just gets the smallest piece of that off the bar. And then back from the Coyotes the other way. The pumpernickel. Nick Smoltz. I love how how quick the shot happens. Yes. You don't even see it unless it's in slow motion. Great point. Goals now. You see, if you're watching on WTSMTV.com, if you're not watching, you're not going to be able to to see it. But Schmaltz is diving to the near post from the left face-off circle. Just diving at that near post. Okay, you go ahead and end it. And that is, it's right at that moment where you see um, the goalie Swayman, who just came into the game, try to realize, okay, you're coming near post. He starts to take over that near post. And somehow, just to the left of the defenseman's right shin, and just to then, because the goalie's facing you, it's his left, but our right, just to the left of the left pad, He's Schmaltz is able to get it back far post and barely inside the post, and he gets the game winner. Man, did they need that! And uh, and that was you know that's kind of frustrating when you're down to Boston, but you kind of expected a three game losing streak gets the Bruins to get a winner like that is awesome. Here is Nick Schmaltz. Nick, tell us about the game winner. I mean, I think they had a few tire guys on the ice, so. Kells uh, gave me the puck. We kind of did a little switch, and they kind of got confused on the switch. And obviously, they had a fresh goalie in, so I just tried to shoot it as quick as I can. And you know, fortunate to go in. Players are famous for not wanting to talk about what they did, but I, I even though he said it humbly, I love that he opened up. New goalie, I want to get a shot off as quick as I can, and it's exactly what Jeff Weir said. As soon as he got into that faceoff circle and saw an inch of daylight, boom, got rid of the puck and hope. Maybe even he was shooting, hoping for a rebound. Um, but oh, that was that was fun. That was fun. They desperately needed that. And then they're only a point ahead of Calgary. They take on Calgary coming up uh, tomorrow night. And this now, even if you're not gung ho about hockey, or if you love hockey but don't have time to fight, wherever you are on your fandom of the Coyotes. This next comment from Nick Schmoltz, this is admittedly why I love sports. It's, I do believe in 
either the phrase sports builds character or other people say sports doesn't build character, it reveals character. It's the only element of our society, if you really think about a workforce, how many times in your life has somebody in your workplace without a boss present gathered everybody together and said, our work ethic is slipping? Isn't it interesting? I guess it's because the amount of money they make. I guess it's because we love it so much and all of us are somewhat jealous or just desperately miss being an athlete. For those of us that were, you know, high school hairy athletes, we think about how much we would embrace the opportunity to be a professional athlete. And we forget that's all these guys know is coming up as a professional athlete. So they're just as human as we are. We get tired at our job. Days uh, are run together. Some days we just don't feel like it. Other days we, we want to power through because we know we're blessed, but it's just not clicking. And other days everything's smooth. Everything's wonderful. But none of us, like bosses do it to us all the time. And if you're a boss, you do it. But how many times in your life has a waiter, if you worked at a, at a restaurant, has a waiter gotten all the other servers together? Guys, our work ethic is slipping. Can you imagine how offended you would be if some Yahoo at work who's not an authority figure gets everybody together to say our work ethic is slipping? Now listen to Nick Schmaltz talk about the three-game losing streak, and the whole time we're, we're all going to be going, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what should happen. Yeah, I mean, we talked about our work ethic the last couple of games. It's not uh, like us. I think, uh, you know, we pride ourselves on working hard and playing, being a hard team to play against. No matter the result, we always bring the same effort. And the last couple of games, we got away from that. And, um, you know, the score was pretty lopsided. So uh, we wanted to come out tonight, work our bags off and see what happened. And, you know, uh, everything else kind of cleans itself up when you work hard. I'm a big fan of that because I like thinking of sports in the casual workplace. That's just, you know what? Kenny Dillingham and Bobby Hurley have both made a lot of comments lately about the NIL situation and the lack of support at Arizona State. They should sell themselves out during the offseason. Think about what Nick Schmoltz just did there, talking about we got together and said our work ethic wasn't good enough. Could you imagine if you are the boss, if you're the guy that's in charge of a group, I don't care how big the group is, and you don't think they're coming together well. For NIL money, there should be a charge, and let's say you get 20 minutes of Kenny Dillingham. And you pay ASU, and you don't tell your staff, and you've got a meeting, and you tell Kenny Dillingham, we just had a crappy first half. I want you to come in and tell us what to do for the second half so we get our head out of our butt. Okay. And you just say, you start the meeting, hey, everybody, thanks for coming in. Um, I'm trying to find ways for us to step up. I'm not really happy with the numbers. Uh, coach, what do you think? And all of a sudden, Kenny Dillingham walks in. Guys, what are we doing? Janice, the goal was 10,000. How are we not there, Janice? How are we not there? Where's the work ethic? We don't, there's no way you're going to hit 10,000 on, on, when you try to put together a game plan that day, Janice. Janice, you've had three months to prepare. 
for your February budget. February's coming. You're at 2,000, Janice. That's not why you're here. But Janice, I believe in you. You're a leader amongst this group. Look at everybody around here, Janice. Look at everybody. I know you don't want to let them down, Janice. And hey, Ron, why, why, why are you looking over here at Janice? Why are you getting excited that I'm getting on Janice? If you pulled your weight, I wouldn't have to put the pressure on Janice. Now, February is not going to go like January. Yeah? Okay, thanks for your NIL money. Go Devils. <laughs> I think that's perfect. Poor Ron and Janice. I'm still mad at them, Jeff. I'm still, <laughs> no, I just made that up. <laughs> oh, that would be oh, that would be absolutely classic. I've been in some of those meetings when the guy's just going off about dollar figures, and then I've been in two of them, and one of them, I was like the number one sales dude. I had hit my numbers, and I'm like, "Hey, oh, you suckers, how are you doing?" And then, of course, the one time I had an awful, awful month, just awful. Man, I got called out in front of everybody. You're supposed to be the leader of the sports staff, right? You're supposed to be the leader of the sports staff. I tell guys to come learn from you. What are they learning? What are they learning? How not to do it? Wasn't a big fan of that guy, if you're wondering. <laughs> uh, all right. A lot of stories today in the first 15 minutes. I hope you are uh, okay with that. I am jacked up. This is a long intro, so you don't have to fire the music just yet, Jeff. Because, the, I, I, Jeff, I haven't told you this, but I want to I hard in. Just boom. Here's Randy. Let's go. Coming up in just a second. Randy Mueller uh, used to work really hard at beating the Cardinals. Moved his way up in Seattle. Got to know a mutual friend. Um, John Clayton was a dear, dear friend of mine. I, I would love to sit with you as a member of the Unplugged Army sometime and tell you John Clayton stories. Just, just a beautiful man. A, a beautiful man. And uh, he started... John Clayton started covering the NFL the year I was born, okay? So it was crazy to be up in Flagstaff with him or any time he was here in Phoenix, we would get together all the time and I would learn about what's going on. It's not right for John Clayton to be a source because you can't have a source that's in the media. That's not a source, right? A lot of people, a lot of people say, oh, I have a source. Well, you don't have a source if the guy's in the media, okay? That's not a source. The source is people that are in the arena that are actually doing it. So I couldn't count John as a source, but I knew a lot of things because John would tell me. So like, okay, I know something's true, but I can't go public with it because that's hearsay. So John is a good, was a good friend of Randy Mueller's as well. And from the time that Randy was in Seattle and then Randy was the GM of the saints forever, forever. Well, now he does a really good podcast, the GM podcast. You can watch it or you can see it through, um, uh, the the athletic and then he's a writer for the athletic as well and he wrote an article on kyler murray and wrote an article on all the things that kyler murray hasn't done and the limitations of kyler murray and how he totally believes that this year was 100 percent a resume builder this year was 100 percent a test to see should he go forward as the cardinals quarterback 
And he didn't say it, but he, he, he totally bought in to a media-driven subject. The Cardinals tried to act like it was never on their mind. But a media-driven subject of this year, Kyler has to prove basically that he's better than the 2024 draft. And according to Randy, uh, he did. He did. And I think this is a good conversation. I think you'll enjoy it. So former Saints general manager and current co-host of the GM podcast, Randy Mueller, coming up next here on WTSMTV.com. I think you're going to – 30 minutes of hardcore football, and I would say about 25, 26 of those minutes is all devoted to the Arizona Cardinals. That's next. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass on WTSMTV.com. Here is Sue Riggler on starting 100 Mile Brewing Company. What started 100 Mile Brewing Company is I actually have a degree in microbiology from ASU. Go Devils. And went back to school. I found out that UC San Diego had a brewing program, so I enrolled in that. And with the intention of opening a brewery, I came back to Tempe because it's Sun Devil country. I wanted to open a brewery in Tempe, which fresh it never gets old is our tagline. And I'm pretty much a stickler about fresh beer. It's got to be fresh. Otherwise, it's not going to be served here. So in the Franz household, we have an air conditioning unit, an air scrubber, a reverse osmosis system, and a tankless water heater all purchased from Parker & Sons. Why? Well, number one, because we trust them. We got to know Parker & Sons about six months into living in Phoenix, and they've showed up on time, got it right the first time, and treated us great every single time. So why would we go anywhere else? The other thing I like is some of the products have even saved us money. The reverse osmosis system gives us bottle quality water from a tap. And then the tankless water heater, I can't even imagine how much money it has saved us. We never run out of hot water, even on holidays when people are coming in to visit. And it doesn't heat up water and then just let it sit in a tank. It only heats it up as we use it. So we only use the electricity when we need it. And our air scrubber takes allergens and bacteria out of the air, which has just been a dream for my wife and my youngest daughter, who have some pretty heavy allergies. Call 6022-REPAIR to learn about these products. That's 602, the number two, that R-E-P-A-I-R for Parker & Sons. Thanks a lot, Unplugged Army, for watching Doug Franz Unplugged here on WTSMTV.com. And I had to reach out to this person. We've had Randy Mueller on a long time ago, even though he was with the hated Seahawks. When he writes now for The Athletic and wrote a great article on Kyla Murray, since we've had such a long discussion about it between you and I, I thought, well, let's bring in Randy to get a different perspective on it. And Randy, before I tell anybody or before I tell you my perspective, position on Kyler because I want you to judge me as a guy that's been in the trenches. I want you to reiterate from your article because if I'm guessing right, you were kind of on the fence a little and now after watching him for uh, coming off the ACL, you seem pretty positive about Kyler Murray. Well, I would say this, Doug, I was more than skeptical to start with because there are some of us in the business that aren't looking for 5'10 quarterbacks. So yes. you you start with a negative that may, may or may not be fair, um, but it is what it is. So I was skeptical. I was also skeptical of, of Cliff Kingsbury's system. Mm-hmm. So I thought the two of them together, you know, might work at Oklahoma or Texas Tech, but was going to be hard to sell in the NFL and be sustainable. So mm-hmm. I started with that approach. Um, obviously, the knee injury after he had signed the contract last year kind of set the whole scenario off into a different space. 
new new bosses, you know, new GM, new coach come in. And I thought from day one, their only job, if nothing else, was to determine if Kyler was the face of their team, the guy we want in charge, and all the above with regard to the things that were doubted even by the old regime and the contract that they put in place with the clauses that we all know about. Yep. So I just felt like that was number one for, for Monty Austin Ford and Jonathan Gannon to have to figure out is, is Kyler the guy? Because we're going to have a high pick. There's going to be a chance that legitimate quarterbacks will be there when they pick. Um, and and they have to decide that. So I, I was a little skeptical of why they had him come back as quickly as he did. But when I watch the film and, and I look at I'm, I'm an NFL guy, so I look at way too much film, Doug. I, I got no life, so <laughs> it is what it is. But I spend a lot of time watching film. I was three plays into his first game when he bolted out of the pocket. And I said, whoa, the knee's fine. Yeah. So I put that to bed early on. But yeah, a long awaited answer to your question. But yeah, I'm I'm I think they have enough answers right now, at least what I see on the outside. The one part I'm a little unsure of and all of us probably should be is we're not there every day we don't see the intangible things that were questioned uh, by a lot of people we don't see the the leadership the communicating with his teammates the work ethic all of that stuff we don't see that so that's something that the people at, at the cardinals will have a much better feel for i'm assuming they have those answers because what they see what i see on the field is is enough to go on that says, hey, this is this is worth making a run at with him as our quarterback. I think there are kind of three levels, if I'm guessing. And level one is, you know, he's average, but he's he's not going to get us to a Super Bowl. So when do you move on? There yeah. is the he's worth it since the salary cap hit would be so bad. Let's just keep him and see what happens in 2024. And then there's the, I believe we've got our franchise quarterback. Let's quit asking questions and start building in kind of that realm. Yeah. I'm more in the middle. I'm like, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't, I don't believe in him. I don't like the five ten quarterback. He did play a whole season quote unquote, once he got in, if that makes sense, it never yeah. got knocked up again, knocked off again. So I'm just in that I'll give him another year, but he hasn't sold me. Where are you specifically in that scale? Did you see enough where you would say, I believe, or would you say you saw enough to say, let's just go for 24? I'm right in the middle where you are. I'm, okay. I'm at B of the multiple choice um, <laughs> because I think the cap ramifications for not having him be the guy set the build or the rebuild back too far. Mm -hmm. So I'm willing to roll the dice. I'm willing to have enough information that I feel okay about going forward. Uh, this is not a government job. These quarterbacks, they, they don't have a job for life. Trust me. It's not, mm -hmm. that's just not the way it works. <laughs> so it is a prove it year, year in and year out. And you see these teams around the league now that they're willing to take on 50 or 60 million in cap dead money. If they're not the guy, my only rush to a little bit of judgment on this evaluation was the fact that they're going to pick high. Their plan is probably not to think they're going to pick high again. And there are very few quarterbacks each year that light my fire. There happens to be a couple that do this year. So that's why I, I, I mm. went on this mission to find out, is this kid okay for at least a year or two to, to see where it falls? And and that's kind of where I came up with my, where I settled in is, is kind of in the middle. And it sounds like where you are too. 
This opens up like nine different questions all in one. So I'll start with this. When you walked in the door, you are now the New Orleans Saints general manager. You get that gig. And let's say you're in a similar situation where the previous GM signed a large contracted quarterback who's entirely unproven or at least, you know, the beauty is in the eye of the beholder because of the people that love Kyler because he can do things nobody else can do. And then there are things that just drive you crazy. When yep. you mentioned leadership and intangibles, if you would have just, if you're Monty Austin Ford, you take the GM job of the Cardinals and you get handed Kyler Murray, what are the things you're looking for beyond arm strength, you know, film study, all of those things, kind of like you mentioned the Kyler clause in the contract? Where does your evaluation start when we're not actually talking the game of football? Well, it happens with what he does in the building and when he's not in the building for me. It's all about intangibles because intangibles at that position, there's no substitute for it because the biggest judge of those intangibles will be the other guys in the locker room. Uh, At that position, the other guys in the locker room will determine it. So I want to know, I want to get up to speed. I'm going to talk to a lot of people that have been around there if I'm Monty and I'm going to gather as much information as I can. Why did he do this? What does he have? The first question I ask when I, whether it's a quarterback in college or one in the pros, is I want to know how is he when shit goes bad. That's yeah. what I want to know. How is he when when it's because it's going to go bad. Mm-hmm. It, that's just the, the nature of the game. So I want to know how he is. You know, if it was you and I out golfing somewhere, I want to know how Doug is when he makes a seven or an eight. <laughs> uh, is he throw, throw clubs? Does he get mad? At, is it my fault? No, I'm too used to it. You should know that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm just saying the best quarterbacks I've ever been around are the ones that are most accountable to themselves and to their teammates. So I'm going to find that out. I want to know about work ethic. I want to know, is he the first one in there? Is he the last to leave? I want to know what he's doing in there the whole time and design a program. Maybe he hadn't been asked to do a lot of these things. Mm -hmm. Maybe he thought it was like college. Hey, I'm not jumping on Cliff's throat but i don't know what cliff does or what the college world is when it comes to that i know how nfl quarterbacks have to commit and and their schedule every day if he's not going to do that that makes my decision easy i don't care how athletic he is and how much he can run around and do things other guys can't do so this is a crazy follow-up what if he's both what if he was all those negative things you mentioned under kingsbury and under kime and by hiring you slash Monty slash who's ever the GM in our pretend little game here, he's kind of realized the gig is up and maybe he is changing. And even if he's not a great leader, he's trying now. He's getting involved. Yeah. He's doing the study. Do you believe it because he's doing it under your watch or are you still skeptical because he only did it for a year? Well, you're always skeptical that there's going to be a fallback, right? Okay. Onto what, you know, you think we all think we can change people, but eventually they fall back occasionally, mm-hmm. uh, not not permanently, but they're going to have missteps. So I, I would think that under our direction, under Monty's direction, that we can help him a lot. And what I see is a system that's different from Cliff's. And again, I don't want to beat Cliff's system up or him up. That's not the point. I I've done it enough on this podcast now, that it's comfortable. You're okay. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I think the system they run now is new to him and it gives him more answers and less reason to be frustrated and more on his own shoulders that if he can't figure it out, it's on him. Okay. I was always skeptical of the college 
I, I forget the name of it. It's it's not the run and shoot anymore, but it, it is what it is. A lot of times I don't. You see mean the, the, the air raid that, passed down from air like raid? Leech? Yeah. yeah, I don't see the level of answers needed to succeed at the NFL level because the coaching that defensive players get is so great. So you've got to have a lot of options, and that's what quarterbacking is about. So I think our system, uh, speaking for Monty, I mm-hmm. think our system is going to give him enough answers to where we ought to be able to judge his character. Yeah, so that's kind of where sense. we're at. And I think there is improvement enough, at least what I've seen. If you just tuned in here on WTSMTV.com, this is Randy Bueller. He's a writer with The Athletic. He does his own podcast with a, a guy that I know pretty well, Mike Sando, who used to come on the Doug and Wolf show all of the time. What's the name of the podcast, if you could? It is the Football GM, and it comes out every Saturday morning on The Athletic feed. Uh, Mike and I have done it for three years. Okay, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of, it. I admit, I'm kind of lazy. When it pops up, I just hit play. So, you know, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a little different for uh, for me, and that's why I didn't remember it. Um, tell me about what you saw, Randy, Kyler-wise now on the field, because you're pretty happy, and I admit, you know, just like I think scouts do sometimes, when you're not gung-ho about it, I point out to viewers and listeners to the My Podcast a lot, sometimes he does well, and then there's a mistake that I almost consider like, a varsity high school mistake, a college mistake. And it drives me so crazy. I think you're now in year five, no more of sending one guy into motion when somebody else isn't set yet because you weren't looking no more, not paying attention to the play clock. He rarely checks the backside corner for post-snap validation. Just things that I see in a grand, I got lucky. I learned the game from Al Saunders and Kurt Warner and Carson Palmer. And then the old Rose bowl winning quarterback from ASU, Jeff Van rapports who were nice enough to all sit with me watch film scold me act like i knew what i was doing when i didn't so yeah. i see some of these things but i admit i'm seeing it lit- sitting in a recliner watching film at what point do you st- am i being unfair or are these things where you just say he's never going to get it or is it all rude when he like you said earlier he's just learning the offense he played eight games well i, I think i would probably cut him a little slack in that he is just in year one of this system of what they're asking of him. But I understand at some point, if he can't do these things, they'll move off of him. I don't have any doubt. It's a couple of the things that I looked at. I wanted to find out, can he throw on rhythm? Can he throw with structure? Can he make throws that he doesn't have to escape and, and break out of the pocket to extend plays to make? I wanted mm-hmm. to see that kind of stuff. Uh, I think he, he's naturally challenged by vision anyway. But in the NFL, eventually they're going to make you stand in the pocket and make the throws. Defensive coaches are really good. Eventually they're going to stop rushing you if you're running around. In fact, you see that a little bit with him now. He doesn't get blitzed a lot. And right. the fear for him to break, what they, the theory is, the fear is he breaks out and makes plays. So why would we promote that? Why would we want to give him reason to bolt? We're not going to rush him. We'll let him sit in there. And eventually, for him to be successful, he's going to have to make those throws from the spot. So I think a lot of it is learning the game different. This is the same Mm -hmm. offense he ran at Texas Tech, same offense he ran at Oklahoma. It's it's been the only thing he's ever done. My guess is if you went back in high school, it was a similar offense as well. So these things that they're asking, that you're asking, that I'm asking to see, are going to take a little bit of time. So I would say hang with him. Let him see the picture 
more than seven games or whatever it's been, eight games. I just think it's going to take time. Um, now he's gotten the reps in the offseason uh, mentally. He was rehabbing his leg last offseason. Yep. Let's see where that goes this year when he can marry the the mental part and the physical part. This offseason's big for him. There's no doubt. It is giant. I grew up uh, when I was at GM of the Saints. Mike McCarthy was our quarterback coach, the current head coach of the Cowboys. Okay. He had the best quarterback school in the offseason going that I'd ever been around. I'm positive he still does it. And I think we're seeing some of those returns with where Dak is right now after a couple years in the offseason. So I think Kyler, this offseason, has to make strides. And and I know we're limited by what we could do with these guys in the offseason. But he's not limited by what he wants to do. So he can put in more time than the system allows. These are, again, things that we're gathering, information that we're gathering. But I think the offseason is going to be giant for him to not only continue to progress in this system, but pretend to, to progress in a quarterback world of that, that's foreign to him. Because mm-hmm. this system is totally different than anything he's ever done. Cheap compliment, but when you were GM of the Saints, you were not accused of a guy that's you knew your lane, you let your coaches do their job. In this sense, if you've got a guy like Kyler, how much are you talking to your head coach about running him? Are you saying stop running him? Are you saying do what you want? Are you do you have the fear of God every time he leaves the pocket on a scheduled run? How are yeah. you using his legs, not as the coach, as the general manager? Well, I think that topic's probably brought up a lot by Monty. I mean, I think, hey, th- th- these quarterbacks have to be durable. I get it. But his size is going to be problematic. That's just a fact. That's what we're dealing with. So they're going to have to treat him a little bit with kid gloves. But at the same time, this guy's explosive and can can be the hardest headache that a defensive coaching staff ever has to deal with. So there's a fine line there. I think the older he gets, the less you're going to see him running around. That's just a natural progression. But I wouldn't take that away from him. I think defenses tell you how they fear him. Because, like I mentioned, the fact that they're not really coming after him, not not to get him to burst out of the pocket, that's for sure. As a whole, as you would approach the Cardinals 2024 draft, the, the defensive holes are crazy. But since I'm focused on Kyler, and the reason why I'm focused on Kyler is because I enjoyed your article so much in The Athletic, what does he need around him? Is it a specific type of offensive lineman? Does he just need a little bit of O-line help? Obviously, the DJ Humphreys ACL tear might move left tackle into the forefront of the draft or free agency. Is it more receiver help? Because obviously, James Conner had a great year. What what are you doing? Is there a type of receiver? Does he need a possession guy or another speed guy? What are you doing as a GM? Well, the first thing I would do, and this is going back to Drew Brees in New Orleans, it's kind of what... the kid in Carolina, they're going to have to do with because their stature is mm-hmm. a little bit challenging. Yeah. And I've had this discussion with Mickey Loomis in New Orleans about this. Shorter quarterbacks can't take pressure in front of them. 
That should be your number one goal. Okay. So you have to build that front. And I don't know the the uh, Cardinals up front guys, yeah. but you've got to have a center and two guards that cannot that can anchor and not give ground. Opinionated and, statement to me. That's their weakness. I think they were, well, they've got good run blockers. I mean, you know, remember Will Hernandez from the Giants? Yep, He's a guard. Yep. Yelda Froholtz, kind of a journeyman center. He's there, and they've done a good job moving the pile for James Conner, but not a fantastic job of keeping people away from the feet of Kyler. They just can't allow pressure up the gut because that'll kill the kid. One, he won't be able to see, and you've got to keep that vision. And two, he's just, it's going to be a problem. No quarterback likes pressure in their face, especially ones that aren't very tall. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I I spent 10 years with Phillip Rivers, and that's, that's how you draw them up. All, we all can't be so lucky. This kid needs to have a firm pocket in front of him. And it's it's a thing that I know Carolina is going to work out this time around to, to, to build it different. The Saints built it different for years because they wanted to protect pressure up the gut for Drew Brees, who's six foot tall as well. So that's probably the biggest thing. You can never have enough speed. I'll tell you who I was really impressed with is the, is the tight end McBride. I okay. didn't know he was that good. He's really good. So that position, check. Don't have to worry mm-hmm. about that. I think the big receiver, uh, and you'll have to help me with names, but 14 is a good player too. And That's a Stanford catch- kid, Michael Wilson, just a rookie. Yeah. So it's good that he popped for you. Yeah. He catches when he's covered. You're going to need that. Um, they can always use speed to stretch the defense because that's going to loosen things for James Conner. It's going to loosen things up in the running game. Speed just makes defenses defend you different. So, just my take, and you can never go wrong. I know they got a right tackle this year in the draft that I think played pretty well. Um, yeah. e- eventually, you know, you you never go wrong drafting tackles and signing interior players. Okay. I, I would do, do this, and this is just a, a general blueprint. I always like to have a veteran center because the communication, the, he, the fact that he's seen everything, nothing's going to trick him. Draft tackles and fill in at guard. But you can fill in at guard with powerful, strong guys who can hold the point and not get pushed back. Yeah. So just a, just a matter of everybody has their own criteria of what they're looking for. The good thing about where the Cardinals are is they got a bunch of cap room. So they can mm-hmm. kind of maneuver this roster still to make it a lot better. It's interesting you said that about center because you can imagine the typical fan says, you know, his be- Kyler's best year was with DeAndre Hopkins, and you want and they want to talk about that. And to me, his best year was with Rodney Hudson, totally healthy, right after the trade with the Raiders, and you got that that massively intel. I mean, to have a man that's a three hundred pound chess piece because the guy's brilliant. There are no more protection issues on that right. team, and now Kyler is just free to use. That athleticism that seems like I'm not I'm not saying I'm drafting him you know number four but maybe no. they remember they have the Texans pick this year from the Will Anderson and CJ Stroud situation um, they, they might do that in the middle of the round I think they're probably going all defense though because they don't rush the passer and they don't cover receivers so <laughs> any defensive player I'm sure is going to be problematic I got news for you you don't need me to tell you that yeah, yeah. <laughs> they, uh, they they do have issues were you able to glean anything when you were watching Kyler from Drew Petzing's system, you, you mentioned how much you it's pro, so you actually like yeah. it better than the past. But what did you were you able to evaluate Drew when it might be hard to evaluate an OC when there's not a lot of weapons as of yet? But what did you see from the Cardinals offense as a whole? 
I saw more structure than I'd seen before, so I like that. I like disciplined. I like balls coming out on time, and I like structure, again, to give answers to the quarterback. One of the most impressive things for me in, in looking at Ty- Kyler was the ball came out. I think I, I, I had, had did a little research on it. It came out 2.63 seconds on average. Two is the quickest, and he's 2.3. So mm-hmm. he's not far from, far from that. I think I wrote this in the column that he was eighth quickest in getting the ball out that tells me he can throw on time on schedule and in some structure so i like the what the offense has been and it's become just takes more time to perfect it that's all this is a no-win question but how long i mean what's a when does it become hey you've had enough time in this offense let's go uh is it after one normal off season which he might be in is it you know let it develop and marinate even more and we're talking 2025 like what's fair assessment of a quarterback and, and oc well if you're getting the amount of reps uh that kyler will get and has gotten this year i think he'll you'll see great progress next year by the second half of the season enough to where you'll be able to decide if he's getting it or not sometimes it's a matter of that first six or eight months on the job you've got to find the best way that he learns Mm -hmm. and so it's a lot about give and take between the staff and him as it would be any player the the number one thing is identifying how these players learn best and then adapting our teaching methods to that what's the hardest thing about being a general manager You know, I don't know. I always thought that the hardest thing I had to do was decide when to cut the cord with a player that has helped you win. Oh, that's the hardest thing. Yeah, I thought the other parts, I I was pretty good at all of the juggling you have to do. You've got to be a communicator. You've got to be a listener. You've got to be kind of the glue between coaches, scouts, all that. Uh, that's not a problem. The the final decision on we can't pay this guy, we've got to let him go, and I'm not 100% sure that we can get a better replacement, but we've got to cut the cord. That's the hardest thing for me to do. It, Chuck Knox always used to say in my early years in Seattle, he'd say, Randy, the same guys that help us win are eventually going to help us lose, so we got to make that <laughs> move for them. And I always have that in the back of my head that – uh, it may be a year early. You see, Bill Belichick made a life of it as well in New England. He yeah. would let guys go maybe a year early uh, because he knew that if, if the cap, if the money we reinvest in him gets us, we'll end up struggling as a team. And it's a hard thing because these guys have given their all to you, helped you win a lot of games, and now you got to cut the cord. Uh, it, it's it's difficult. You'll be thrilled to hear this story because your answer is so similar. It's it's cold and dark outside. I'm in a radio booth in Arrowhead Stadium, and it's just me and Dick Vermeil. Because I used to do a radio show with a longtime chief center, Tim Grunhard, and Grunny did the Dick Vermeil show. Well, Grunny went on a little trip at the end of the season. Dick Vermeil retires, but according to the contract, there's one more Dick Vermeil show. Well, since I'm Grunny's partner, they asked me to do it it's just the two of us dick for meals and sweats he's pouring a little bit of jim beam i think it was whatever it was into a cup of coffee because the only time in his life it was too cold for wine for him and (laughs) as we're talking i asked him a question kind of similar to that of what's the most frustrating what's the most difficult part of coaching and he said accepting somebody can't do what you swear you've seen them do before 
And he knew I coached somebody. They did this. I keep believing in them and they don't repeat it or they don't repeat it consistently enough. And I have to accept it's time to move on. And I think it's great that you are looking at a Hall of Fame coach and you have such a similar answer on the difficulties of knowing when is the end the end. Yeah, it's hard. I always go back to our mind makes appointments. Our body can't always keep. And the older we get, the more that happens to us all. Right. Yeah. 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 So now uh, give me kind of a, a layout of what you see. This is a weird question, but NFC West wise, since you've got four teams, those are six Cardinals games every year. Did you ever think about your division when you did a draft, when you did free agency? Is that a media topic or does it matter? Is there something going on in the NFC West that the Cardinals have to counter? Well, I definitely think it's a measuring stick. I, I never thought we would be successful if we couldn't handle our own division. And mm-hmm. I thought the game last week for Seattle, especially, was kind of a referendum game. I thought, you know, Seattle had been swept by the Rams, swept by the 49ers, had won one game against the Cardinals, but it was Josh, the other quarterback that played. So this right. game I thought was big for Seattle, probably bigger for them than it was for, for Arizona. So I do think you have to do certain things to give yourself a chance in your own division. Um, I didn't think the records matter. In fact, I'll just say what from the, from a Seattle point of view, had they lost to Arizona, and, and again, you can make a case that Arizona should have won the game. I get right, it. Right. But does that set them behind Arizona in their own minds? Because here's the thing. Arizona maybe has a quarterback. Arizona has $50 million to spend. Um, they're into a rebuild one year. Seattle at some point is going to have to retool a little bit. They aren't what they were four or five years ago. So they are in a little bit of a tough spot themselves. So, yeah, I think you have to measure your team against everybody else in your division. The hard part for both Arizona and Seattle is we got the 49ers sitting there, and and I don't know if that's going to be a fair assessment for a while. You mentioned it a little earlier. I got about four minutes left, so I'm dying to know, is there a quarterback? That if they were, and I know he probably won't be, but if there's a quarterback still sitting at number four where the Cardinals pick, do you think that kid is worth taking the cap hit to cut or trade Kyler? I wouldn't now. Um, okay. I think maybe Caleb Williams, but I don't think he'll be there when You're they right. pick. Yep. Um, he would be my top rated guy now. And I've looked at the top five or six guys. Um, I just think that using that pick other ways is going to benefit the franchise longer and and more impactful. So I don't see a quarterback there that I would upset the apple cart for um, where they're at, nor would I give more to get to the top pick. Okay. So that, that would be a, a, I guess a a suggestion. I think they're at a point of where do they pick fourth or fifth? Yeah. Fourth. Uh Yeah. There's a chance that two or three quarterbacks go. They might get the best non-quarterback on their board picking yeah. where they do. And I don't care about what position he is. You're going to have to pick him. And if it's on defense, more power to him, like you said. So they're going to have an advantage that not not necessarily having to have a quarterback allows you know, a really good player to fall right in their lap. If the best player on the board is Harrison from Ohio State, the wide receiver, but 
everything this team, I mean, this team needs everything but safety. I mean, th- I mean, you talk about defense. I mean, every single position needs an upgrade. Do you say, I'm still taking Harrison because he's the best on my board? Or you say, That's, I can dramatically change games if I just improve one position on defense. I'm going there. I don't think you can afford to set your board where that's an option. Okay. And that's kind of a insider answer, but I think they need big guys and they need rushers. And mm-hmm. those are the hardest thing to find. I think we can find receivers. There are some teams and I might be inclined to do the same thing. Find that Oduzzi's as good as Harrison. Some of them I might actually agree with that. I didn't think anybody else did. No, they do. Okay. <laughs> and, and so do I, it's, yeah. it's going to be a conversation in a lot of draft rooms, but I'm looking for big guys and fast guys. And uh, if you say we need help uh, in that front seven, that's probably where I'm leaning. If there's if there's ample talent there, I'm not for reaching. If 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 Harrison is the highest rated guy by a long shot, you got to pick him or you got to find a way to back up and pick up some other things. Mm -hmm. So there's a game within a game there, but I don't think you could ever set your board to where it makes the most sense to draft Harrison. You you can't build a team with bells and whistles if you don't have big guys on either side of the ball. So last question is, obviously you might have to protect some names. Tell us your favorite as a GM, assistant GM, wherever you were moving up the ladder or if it was within uh, New Orleans. Tell us your favorite draft day story. Oh gosh. Um, well, the most the one that comes to mind the most is in Seattle one year we had the tenth and eleventh pick. We had traded Rick Meyer to the Bears, our our quarterback, and so we had our pick at ten and their pick was eleven. Okay. And a month before the draft, we moved the uh, the tenth pick uh, and traded with somebody to get up to three. I forget even who it was. Might have been Atlanta. So we had secured the third pick, which left us three and eleven. And I had a deal the night before uh, the draft with the Jets, who were being run by Bill Parcells at that time, to trade 11 and go to six if our guy was there. I, I And not I, we had penciled in, we thought it was a six-player draft. The best six players, we wanted to try to position ourselves to get two of those six. And it just so happened that we thought we could get two of our biggest needs filled at the same time. So we went from 10 to three, had that pick, Went from 11 to 6, except that on draft morning when I walk in, Parcells calls me and said, hey, kid, I can't make that deal. I don't want to fall back to 11. We're going to make this deal with Tampa, who I think was at 8. He said, we don't have to fall back as far. So he said, but I'm going to tell you, you should call Tampa because I don't think they know who they want to pick. So he makes the deal. We end up calling Tampa, Rich McKay at the time, who, who had acquired the sixth pick. And, and I said, hey, if your guy isn't there and they really didn't have a guy, he said, I said, we'll make this move. We ended up drafting Sean Springs at three, who was a multi-Pro Bowl yeah. year guy for us. And at six, uh, we made that move with Tampa and we did it for less than I had agreed to do it the night before with the Jets and Parcells for. And at six, we drafted Walter Jones, who 
might oh. be the best tackle in the history of the league. So yeah. we had a pretty good day that day, and we turned 10 and 11 into 3 and 6 and got two really good players. So that's my favorite because the players were so good. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Now, me being from Southwest Ohio, I will certainly put in a vote for Munoz, but I'm not going to argue vehemently on that. That's still, that's still uh, great. Do me a favor and, and, and do it again. Tell us what's coming up on the Football GM podcast. Plug yourself. Well, we do this every week. We record Friday afternoons. It comes out first thing Saturday morning. I'll be honest, Doug, I never thought that this would be such a hit. The show, it does really well on The Athletic. It gets, I think, forty to 50,000 downloads a week. So mm-hmm. it's crazy, the, the platform that they have given Mike Sando and I. So we do about an hour a week, and we talk about things just like this, just like what you and I are talking about. We hit on all the topics around the league, some controversial, some not. I try to be as upfront and honest as I can without burning too many bridges down. <laughs> and uh, it's just fun. Mike and I, Mike used to be the beat writer for the Seahawks for years. He's a Seattle guy. So am I. So we we tend to chop it up pretty good for an hour each week. And folks can find it. And, and it's free uh, through wherever you get your podcasts, uh, Spotify, Apple, whatever. And, and it comes out every Saturday morning. The Football well, GM. I call people that uh, listen to listen and watch my podcast, the unplugged army, since it's called Doug Franz unplugged. And let me tell all of you that are in the army. uh, It's a regular for me. And the reason why it's a regular is exactly what you said, the the raw honesty, there's good (laughs) stories, but then there's hard hitting info. So I, I like everything. And then the reason why I enjoy listening to Mike is probably you as well. John Clayton was a dear, dear friend, as opposed to anybody who wasn't dear friends with John. Clayton, but John Clayton's a dear friend and the way he would talk about Mike Sando, even though I've never had a chance to have a beer with Mike Sando, <laughs> I, I, John loved him to death. And yeah. as a man who watched John get so drunk one time on Chardonnay, now so drunk was four <laughs> drinks, I think. And I had to carry him to his hotel room and put him into his bed. Uh, I, uh, I love the man and he loved yeah. Mike. So that's one of the other reasons why I enjoy watching you or listening to you. Well, I appreciate that. John Clayton was one of my closest friends for, for a lifetime and we all miss him that's for sure amen amen randy thanks and uh, and have a great weekend thank you you too boy there's a there's a lot to unpack there a lot to unpack i i gotta laugh though okay the number one thing i have to laugh at let me read you those names you you heard that good draft story okay he was talking about the 1997 draft all right He said, I thought this was a six-player draft, and they manipulated the board and got a pick at three and six. Now, if you're a Cardinals fan, turn away. Orlando Pace, number one to the Rams. Daryl Russell, number two to the Raiders. Sean Springs, number three to Seattle. Peter Boulware, number four to the Ravens. Number five, Bryant Westbrook to uh, the Detroit Lions. Pretty good corner. Not great, but pretty good cornerback. Seattle took Walter Jones. The Giants at number seven took Ike Hilliard, who I admit I thought he was going to be better than he was, but uh, but but it's okay. And then James Ferrier made a Pro Bowl, and uh, the Jets took him at number eight. Now, who did the Cardinals take at number nine? Tom Knight, cornerback, Iowa. Now, the reason why I... I kind of look at that for uh, for a second. Um, he, you know, wasn't an absolute disaster or anything, but lasted, uh, you know, about five or six years, which is a good, you know, career. 
but they passed on Warwick Dunn, who remember had a um, had a fantastic uh, career as a running back, and. Tony Gonzalez at number 13 in that draft. Could have had Tony Gonzalez. No, 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 no. We'll take. I love talking, looking at old drafts and then hearing the story of that manipulation. What year it, was that draft again? 97. Okay. We made a trade with Atlanta, and or we were going to make a trade with Atlanta because we found out from Bill Parcells, they don't know who they're going to take. <laughs> oh, okay. And they made the deal and got less, gave up less than they were were going to do with the Jets. And they got Walter Jones, who, again, for me, is not the best tackle of all time. I say it's Anthony Munoz, but I understand why somebody would say uh, Walter Jones. How about that draft? Orlando Pace and Walter Jones, two Hall of Fame left tackles in the top six picks of, uh, of that draft. The other things, I think the big takeaways in talking to Randy there, uh, there's, there's a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, the reason why I wanted to have him on is Kyler because he was always against the stature of Kyler, meaning the size. He doesn't like short quarterbacks. And then at the same time, uh, but, but he, you've got to be able to do things that are special if you're a short quarterback. And obviously, he knew Drew Brees. So he didn't see that from Kyler. And then this year, Without the Cliff Kingsbury offense that he just – I've seen him torch the Cliff Kingsbury offense. He really liked what he sees growing from Kyler in year one of the Drew Petzing uh, offense, and he's moved into a positive. I'm still on the I would keep Kyler because I have to type of range. I'm not – uh, like I now, I still believe I was right when I said that they should have traded him during the Murray Manifesto. But I don't like a lot of people think that Doug, you want to move on from him. I just don't believe in him. So therefore, I feel like we're going to after 2024. So on the one hand, there's an argument why waste time. But I would love to be wrong because let's go with Randy's point. If if Kyler does well, the ability to be able to build right now in this draft. There's a lot of good players in this draft. And when he mentioned possibly getting Roma Dunze later in the draft, the UW receiver, when I say later, I mean with the Houston Texans pick because we don't know where that pick's going to be. That is a strong play. I think Adunze will be gone by then. I don't think you'll be able to do that. I, uh, I love for the first two picks the uh, Notre Dame alt, the uh, – um, uh, Notre Dame tackle, and I, gosh, what's the kid's name out of Florida State? There's a Florida State pass rusher. I think his name's Verse. Um, do you mind if I cheat? I don't want to leave you hanging on that. I feel I feel bad if I don't remember what his name is. Jared Verse. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I like him, and then uh, I like uh, McKinstry. Uh, Kool-Aid, you, you remember McKinstry, it's Kool-Aid Pickles at Bell's National Kitchen. It's Kool-Aid McKinstry. I like him a lot, too. So those are kind of, I would really love to walk away from the first round with one of those three. Always in favor of trading down. I think his roster is so bad. Always in favor of trading down. Um, really did something dumb yesterday on Versus Vegas. Just really upset at myself. When I absolutely nailed a pick nobody saw coming. 
and you get a pick right that you just feel like validates everything. You keep your heater going, and then you just allow yourself to get punched in the face. My heater ended yesterday. I'll tell you about that, and we'll talk to Steve McCollum coming up in just a minute. This is Doug Franz Unplugged. We're presented by Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. Go to Unplugged at Whirlwind.com, Unplugged at Whirlwind.com, and become a member of the Whirlwind Plus uh, plan. Save tons of money as soon as we start warming up and playing golf again. Man, is it cold. Oh, that's crazy. Steve McCollum coming up for the main event on WTSMTV.com. Burrito Express started with my father about 25 years ago. He got laid off and decided that he needed to do something to provide for his family. My brother and I were older teens, 17, 18 year old, and I'm going to do a trial out of my house. So literally we decided we're going to start out of his house. So we delivered uh, menus in a square mile area, literally started delivering burritos out of our home in Mesa, Arizona. And after about a month, he said, let's do this. Went and found his first location. And believe it or not, that's how it started. We started with one location back in 1995. Now we're where we are now. Rosati Sports Pub in Chandler. It's on Ray and McQueen. Sounds like a sports bar. What's the difference? You walk in and they actually have games on TV with the sound on. How many times do you walk into a supposed sports bar and they've got loud music on or somebody playing live or some kind of trivia game going on and you're there to watch the game? If you're like me, a simple guy, give me my pizza, give me my wings, give me my cold beer and make sure I can hear the Suns and D-backs, then you want Rosati Sports Pub at Chandler. All members of the Unplugged Army, welcome. Rosati Sports Pub, give me the game. funny in the revenue generating portion of the podcast just now jeff weir production went in my ear and said you know how long have you 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 had that plan that interview because we had we only had coyotes last night and tonight none of our seven local teams if you count u of a as a local team none of our seven local teams have a game uh i would say even eight count gcu they don't nobody's got a game tonight so I remember thinking I need to go get a guest for Tuesday or Wednesday. And last week I contacted Randy Mueller because I had read his article and really liked his point of view on Kyler. So I asked him to come on last week and he goes, I can't this week, meaning last week, but I can come on Tuesday or Wednesday. And we didn't settle on a time. Well, then I forgot the when we were doing it and he texted me. And he goes, hey, I'm ready in about five minutes. Like, oh, my gosh. I'm running around the house like a nut. Jennifer had asked me to be quiet because she's on a meeting. Where's this cord, honey? I need the cord for the computer. I mean, I was just going nuts yesterday. But I got lucky. I was able to pull it off. Right before the interview started, you didn't see this, Jeff, for production. I didn't move the camera. So I was I got the top of my nose. So I actually did a countdown. Okay, I'm going to start. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then I got up and, and moved the camera. So it was, it was a little strange, a little strange. Did it look okay? Did it sound okay? Yeah, I thought it looked fine. Okay. sounded great. Right, I good. had to adjust a little bit on the audio, but I do that every time. Oh, good save by you. Thank you, thank you. You also, here's something funny. I told Jennifer, you know, I had a beer or two at lunch yesterday. I told Jennifer, you know, I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm she was having a glass of wine. She goes, you want me to get you? No, no, thank you. I'm, I had a couple beers at lunch. I'm, I'm fine. I won't have any. And then after running around like nuts and doing that interview, I said, I'm getting a beer. As soon as it was over, I'm ready to get a beer. Because I usually sit there at my desk and have a beer when I'm doing an interview. And I said, you know, I don't, I don't need one. I'm all right. The interview ends. I needed a beer. 
Had to get one. Uh, coming up in just a minute is the main event with Steve McCollum, Dale Hellestray. He joins us right now here on WTSMTV.com as, uh, as we always like to, uh, to yap back and forth. Are you in a yes vote in this theory? You ha- if you want to interview anybody for a coaching vacancy in the NFL, you have to put in for that person, unless you're going to cheat and interview them, you know, like a Jonathan Gannon, let's say. Mm-hmm. But you have to put your name in. The Falcons have not put any requests in yeah. at all. And everyone is starting to believe the Falcons are waiting to see if they can get Belichick. Yeah, they are, yeah, are they you know buying who, that? They know who they want. I don't know if I, I don't know if I'd go so far to say Belichick. Okay. Uh, but they're targeting one specific person that they've already communicated through the channels of we want you here. What are the chances of that? And there's been a favorable response or else why would you wait? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It could it could be it could be now granted you don't have to necessarily request uh, people that aren't in the playoffs. Now you you yes. have to report it to the NFL. Well, be, well because they're in the contract, yes, so you have to, yeah, It's courtesy yes. to ask the other team. Well, then the other side of it is the Panthers, who are just asking everybody who's uh, got a, who's breathing to come in, and that's because they don't know who they can get. So, which scenario would you rather be in? Right? There's a chance, probably <laughs> not, but there's a chance I'm half as smart as David Temper. I just don't understand mm-hmm. how these guys. Uh, no, it, it are makes, this. Pretty Brilliant, and yet they're stupid as soon as they own a team. It's because he. It's because in the world he lives in, he's operating his team like the world he lives in. Uh, those guys that trade billions of dollars of stock and stuff like that in charge of that stuff, they lose $30 million, and they're like, all right, uh, tomorrow we'll make that back up, right? Yeah. Uh, and he, he treats his football team like he treats the, the trading business that he's in. And Interesting, uh, and yeah. it's, it's, he cannot separate the two. And you run into that a lot. Just because you're smart at one thing doesn't mean you're smart at another thing. He's probably an absolute genius in his uh, original field. Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't make very many mistakes in his original field. That doesn't mean you can become an owner of people, you know, well, an owner of a team. Uh, well, in his yeah. case, people too, because yeah. he, he's probably that guy. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Um, the, you know, the, the second generation owners, you know, Bidwell, uh, this, this clown show in Titans. Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're, we're breaking down her press conference. She struggled for a long time. Yeah. We, we're, we're break, I broke down her press conference and we're going to have some fun with that. Um, <laughs> you know, that goes to show you that those guys didn't build anything. They were just hand stuff. They were shown what to do. They didn't have to build it and have all that background behind it. And it, and it obviously shows. Now, like I said, Tepper just has not been able to translate from his other business into the NFL. But they are completely different businesses, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's where his struggle is. We, uh, I, I, a lot of people don't understand this about the business that you and I are in. That's very, very strange that you have a job you're getting ready for your show so there's yeah. no way as you're getting ready for your show you know everything that's going on on my show but we just had randy mueller the recording from yesterday's conversation we had i played it and one of the interesting things he said and based on our you and i talking yesterday about draft defense 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 mm-hmm. defense he loves the idea of defense with that number four pick especially because mm-hmm. he thinks quarterbacks might go one two three yeah so you'll get the best player on the board and i said is that harrison for you and he's 
he's going defense. And yeah. but the other reason why he wasn't going Harrison is he loves a Dunze and he wants mm-hmm. to see if he's gonna be there later in that Houston Texans pick. Yeah. Even though we could probably agree he won't. I'll I'll say it now. I'm in I want defense, 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 unless a Dunze's there. Yeah, well, I, I like that. What do you think? I, I've been saying all along, all defensive draft. I don't care who's there. Okay. Uh, you know, okay. Do you need a tall receiver that can change the game? Yes, they need a tall receiver. Wilson, if healthy, can be that guy. Right. So he might be like, yeah, but can he stay healthy? But the fact that people want Marvin Harrison Jr. in an offense that was able to move the ball up and down the field all season long with the lack of talent that they have there, especially on the wide receiver side, and then you're just like, ah, oh, we'll be all right on defense. It yeah. drives me batty. I don't know what people are watching. That defense needs talent. That defense needs just depth of talent. That defense right. needs right. all of that. Draft everybody defense is what I'm saying going into this draft. Period. End of story. You're, you're right with defense. I admit I would take away your period and uh, take away the end of your story and add a Dunze <laughs> to it if he's there. But I think we're going to agree he's not going to be there wherever no. the Texans pick. But, but even uh, – yeah, but uh, – yeah, I mean, there's always exceptions. Like, if they drafted Marvin Harrison Jr., I'm not going to go up and with pitchforks, yeah, you know, and yeah, be like, yeah. how dare you draft a guy I need you have? How yeah. dare you do that? Um, but if you're just sitting back and looking at it, you, you've got to go defense in this mm-hmm. draft, man. It's funny that you mentioned Wilson. i got to tell you how happy I was during that conversation because how many times does this happen when you're interviewing a guest and they go, yeah, and I like yeah, this 14. guy. And then when he said 14, and I, man, there are been so many times in my life I cannot remember yeah, who yeah. the guy's talking about yeah. and they're relying on me and I look like the biggest yeah. doofus. Thank goodness that Michael Wilson's name popped the, into my head. The, well, it's funny. People, like, another thing that people don't know what we do, like a lot of people think like you and I just hang out all the time and we yeah. just talk show constantly. Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. It's not how this business works, right? Yeah, right. But then two, people just think that we can just pull random stuff off top of our heads when we're not talking about it. Yeah, when we don't know where the other guy yeah, is. Yeah, and yes. so like if yes. I just randomly go, uh, number 32 on the 82 Bears, yeah. Doug, come on. People expect us to know that. Folks, yes. we don't. That's why we have computers in front of us. Uh, and, and it cracks me up when we do that, too. But, yeah, sometimes you nail it, right? I, I was so happy to get lucky because that's, that's just clear to everybody. That was just kind of blind luck because you never know where they're going. Yeah. And yet, I admit to you, I am the guy in the car when I'm listening yeah. to somebody yeah. else. The name always pops into yeah. my head. Like, what are you, I'm an idiot? A, it's a guy, yeah, yeah. It's, it's this. And, well, they uh, also don't know that, you know, not only are we listen. Like, I'm listening to you right now, but I also have my eye on a couple other things. Yeah, you know? of course. So you're listening, but you're not expecting the guy to go, hey, what's that guy? Exactly. Eh, sometimes we look like idiots. <laughs> exactly. Don't go anywhere. Just to say, I got one more question. Uh, Steve, it's a standard question that you knew was coming. What's coming up on the main event? Yeah, I mean, uh, look, local teams. I mean, Coyotes, good win last night. Uh, we got some stuff on that. I got some more hockey stuff coming our way. Uh, look, uh, we get Sweet Lou tomorrow on the program. Of course, talk NFL football, UFC starting back up. But we're going to start delving into this weekend. I've got some interesting uh, betting lines. Like on the Steelers game, man, Steelers are dogs by 10. Over under is 36. Yeah, no T.J. Watt, Mason Rudolph. uh, 36 is the over under. They're expecting uh, the Steelers to not score any points. It might not be wrong. And then the the Chiefs game. Like, uh, I don't know what it is now, but the over under was like 40 something. Yeah. In that cold weather, in that snow. 
You're nuts if you think the ball, if they're going to get that many points. I don't know. The it's, high it's that weird. day should be 10, and by the second half, it's below freeze. Well, the wind chill is what's going to take it down. They're yeah. expecting like 30 mile per hour winds. So, I mean, you know, you're Crazy. from that area. I, I've been to that area a lot of times yeah. one more time. Uh, you know, minus 10, minus 15. Have fun. You know, it's crazy. Especially when you're from Miami. I think Buffalo is <laughs> going to be 25 degrees warmer than Kansas City for their game. Isn't that weird? When does that happen? All right, have yeah. a good show. See you, that is Steve McCollum, the main event, every weekday morning, 8 to 10. Then iOS is the on sports every weekday morning from 10 to noon, six hours, local sports programming right here on WTSMTV.com. All right, versus Vegas today. Oh, my gosh. So, on an 8-0 heater right now, feeling nice about it. Then, I said I really like this pick, don't love it, but really like this pick. I told you yesterday that whenever you get news of your stud being out for the year, it's the other team that almost always takes it easy. I called it. I said, I didn't have the courage to say Memphis on the money line. That would have been amazing juice. But I told you, I really like Memphis plus the eight and a half. It not only wasn't Memphis plus eight and a half, Memphis won. Okay? They beat Dallas 120 to 103. Beat the snot out of them. So I crushed that pick for the specific reason why. I'm feeling great. 9-0 straight. Now, did you listen to yesterday's versus Vegas? On yesterday's versus Vegas, I said, oh, my gosh, I forgot to check NHL. Just a second. Let me look. Let me look at the back-to-backs. I always like back-to-backs. Oh, okay. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. The island, Vancouver's on the back end of a back-to-back. Granted, it was just the Rangers, but they're on the back end of a back-to-back. It went into overtime. Islanders are a good team. I think I, I think I like the Islanders. Not uh, the juice was a little outrageous minus one on the puck line. So I took the easy way out. Just give it to me on the money line. That means if Islanders win, I win. The Islanders lost five to two. Five to two in a game where I didn't need to do it. You don't make predictions during versus Vegas. You make the predictions the night before, check the injuries the next morning, make sure we're good, run with it. You don't look it up and, uh, and the heater ends with a one-in-one day yesterday. 10-75, an eight overall record, below 53%, which is the magic number to show you that you can actually do this for real. However, well ahead up on units because of Alex Bregman and Rory McIlroy on some big hitters. All right, today, here's what I got for you today. Um, Minnesota Timberwolves had a game in Florida. Now, I don't know how many of you have done this, but you know, you might not know this, Jeff Weir Production being a Southerner, but did you know when you drive due north from Florida, the next state you run into is Massachusetts. Did you know that? No, I did not okay, know that. Okay, there you go. It's Massachusetts. Minnesota is flying, flew from Orlando to Boston last night. I don't understand the NBA when they do this to teams. Okay, I get back-to-backs. That's fine. If they were playing Orlando and then Atlanta, because George is really there... I get it. To Charlotte, I get it. New Orleans, fine. 
I realize, yes, they're also flying on these luxury uh, planes. It's almost like a yacht in the air. But still, imagine a business trip when you get done with one meeting at 11 o'clock at night, and now you fly into another city that's nowhere near where you were. It's just asinine. Now, Vegas knows this, so Boston has to cover seven points against a good T-Wolves team. But I'm still going to take it. I'm taking Boston minus the seven. I really wanted Boston on the money line, but it was minus 290 juice. That means you have to bet $100, or the other way around, you have to bet $290 just to win 100 So I could just say, hey, I got the game right, but that's obnoxious to do that. So I'm going to take Boston minus the seven. Don't love it. I would rather have Boston minus five, uh, four and a half, something like that. But I think that flight from Orlando is not conducive to winning. So I'll take the Celtics tonight. And then one college game, Northwestern is much better than Penn State. And they only have to cover a point and a half. But the reason why it's a point and a half is because only parents go to Penn State games. And I don't mean people with children. I mean parents of the players. I mean, Penn State games look like the most boring atmosphere of major college sports. Penn State basketball. So sometimes it doesn't affect the Penn State kids. They're used to it. But you come in and you don't even wait. You had this horrible travel, long bus ride when you're in college to get to College Station. And then you're finally there. You're in Happy Valley and nobody's there. And it's cold out. You just don't get warmed up and suddenly you lose. Well, I'm not worried. Northwestern's used to not being a fan favorite, so therefore, I'm going to take Northwestern minus the one and a half. Those are my two games, Boston and Northwestern both getting a win. Thanks a lot to everybody, uh, especially Janelle at Bell's Nashville Kitchen. Yesterday's meeting went absolutely fantastic. Uh, Big meeting today with a company, and then tomorrow, catching up with a friend. Eating lunch at Civlik with uh, Sweet Lou, our version of Sweet Lou, the golfing version of Sweet Lou at Whirlwind Golf Club at Wild Horse Pass. The gambling version of Sweet Lou, Steve, you just heard him say, is going to be joining Steve McCollum, Dale Hellestray in the main event coming up tomorrow. Thanks to Parker and Son, 6022 Repair. Might have some heater issues coming up this week, and you need to give them a call. The best burrito you've ever had is the breakfast burrito at Burrito Express. I guarantee you, you'll be thrilled. And if you want a sports bar, Rosati's Ray and McQueen in Chandler. If you want a brewery, 100 Mile Brewing Company in Tempe at Rural, the 202 at Scottsdale Road. The main event, it's up next. I'll see you tomorrow.